coaching just as much. I created Coffeehouse Coaching as a space to have conversations with other executive coaches to learn about their journey, their practice, and their overall philosophy. I'm your host, Gary Nowak, and I'm back with Adrian Cordes today for part two to finish up where we left off on supervision. Some of the things we talk about today are group versus individual supervision, what to bring to your sessions, how do you show up, what supervision isn't. Adrian gives a great example of role play, and we also have some real examples from our supervision experience. You can really hear the passion in both of our voices when we talk about this, as we love this topic. Hope you enjoy our conversation, and if you'd like to get involved in future podcasts, reach out to either Adrian or myself through LinkedIn, and we can set that up. Thanks for joining, and thanks for listening. Adrian, great to see you and that big smile that you always bring to this podcast. Thanks for joining today. Hi, Gary. Good to see you. We are going to pick up where we left off because this is a topic I know is passionate for you. And the more I get into this coaching business, it's a big passion for me. And that is supervision. How would you frame supervision and what we did last time? I'd say it's, we talked last time about how to get into supervision. Today, I'd really like to talk about what you do during a supervision call. So a lot of last time was picking the group and should you do it? Should you not do it? And I think I'm becoming more of a believer in supervision. I think you gave me the phrase of it should be mandatory because where else are you going to be able to talk about things that are important to coaching, important to you and in service of your client than in a supervision group? And just the structure of it is Great. What we want to talk about today is what happens inside of supervision, how you present yourself inside of that to get the most out of it. They're typically monthly. You sign up for a period, let's call it a one year or 10 months, and you meet monthly with a, I believe there it's a certified supervisor coach and they have to go through training. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. They have specific programs, just like they have certifications for us as coaches they have specific certifications for supervision coaches. And there's also individual supervision, which I didn't know about. I'll frame what I think it is or what I've been told because I was looking for my own coach and somebody said, oh, you need an individual supervisor coach. I said, oh, okay, well, what's that? What that is, that's in service of our profession of coaching. It is looking out for ethics, protocol, the awareness of the coach to be the best that they can be the service to the client and doing what is in their best interest throughout the time that that coach and coachee are working together. And where I came out was I needed more of a coach because I wanted all of that and then some, but I also wanted to figure out what I'm doing with my coaching practice. So my need was a, a lot more broad than just just coaching. And I believe I'll get there. So now I've engaged with the coach where I'm working with them on everything about what I'm doing. It's just more expansive as a coaching relationship would be. Yeah. And for some certification levels with ICF, you need to have individual supervision or mentoring. And this would be another reason why a supervisor would need to have a special level of certification as well. 
when I was preparing for to launch the podcast, probably almost a year ago, I had a conversation with Catherine Downing, who I just adore. She was involved in two of my podcasts, and she's involved in Hudson Community. She's a supervisor coach, and she said, Gary, you need to get a lot of supervisor coaches onto the podcast because of the training that they went through, the background they go through, the check-in questions. She rattled off about a dozen questions that I can ask in my in my typical coffee house coaching podcast. So it is absolutely on the list for me to get integrated a lot more with supervisor coaches, just from the depth and breadth of the knowledge that they bring. And I want that depth and breadth to be part of this podcast for others. Yeah, I totally agree. That is part of why I wanted to talk about this on the podcast is because the questions that come up in the way that we look at the cases that that we bring to the supervision calls, at least my coaching supervisor, the really creative ways that he brings for us to look at these different situations. It's it, the questions, the visual imagery, the use of metaphor, the use of somatics, it's it's an on another level altogether. So do you want to walk through what you get out of supervision, how it's structured, how you prepare for it, all that, and then I'll chip in. Yeah, that so preparing for a supervision call looks a lot like just thinking about what is going on in my coaching practice and thinking about something that either has me maybe a little bit uncertain about how to where to go with either a coaching engagement or a person and not necessarily that I'm leading um, or getting in front of that person, but unsure of myself or I'm getting in my head or I'm starting to feel a little bit of my some bias creep in about the situation as I'm trying to keep other thoughts or assumptions at bay, right? So whatever it is, we bring it to supervision. I can tell you I, if you're having a certain kind of reaction from a client and you're trying to figure out where do I go from here, that is a really good thing to bring to a coaching supervision call. If you're thinking about how do I manage stakeholders like this, that's a really good thing to bring to a coaching supervision call. Just raising your awareness about yourself. Even if you think you have a coaching engagement that's going really, really well, bringing that to a coaching supervision call is a great idea. There's a lot to learn even from anything that you can bring. And once you put that into the, into the group, how is it structured for you? And I'm I'm clearly going to provide an example of something that I brought in the structure that I see and what I'm doing right now. But once you, once somebody introduces something into supervision, what happens? So you bring in topic A, yeah, so this is, there might be some misconceptions or I don't know, maybe some supervision groups do it this way, but this is what I think it is not. Here's what it is not, or at least what I think it should not be. Here's what's going on in my coaching engagement with this person or with this group of stakeholders, team coaching engagement, it could be. It's got me feeling a little bit unsure of myself, maybe, or I'm unclear about where to go from here. And you put it out there to the group and you get a whole lot of critique. That is not what coaching supervision is. It is not about people giving you lots of advice about how to do things differently, or honestly, even other people coaching you. It's not even other people coaching you on what's going on in your situation. Here is a good example. So 
let's assume Gary, wait, Gary, how about this? Do you have a situation that you could, you could throw out there for us? Yes. And my, the structure of my supervision right now is a lot more structured than the initial one. So we're to provide to the group ahead of our, our session, let's call our session on a Thursday. By Tuesday, we need to send out an email to everybody that stipulates what's going on with this client, what's the issue or concern, why is this important now, and what question are you living under at this moment? The example that we haven't discussed yet that I brought up because I tell you, our first session with cases two really high-powered cases. They were brilliant and they were so complex. And the word meaty came out of, yes, this has a lot of layers to it and complexity. So mine was pretty basic. I had a client, I sent a value exercise. We'll say it's a gym. Sent a value exercise to the gym. He really wanted to do it, but he was struggling with it. So what I wanted to bring into supervision is, hey, when when a client is struggling with something like a value exercise, because it was too daunting for Jim, and how what's my role in that? What do I do? How do I support that? Or do I brush over it? So that's what I brought in. I do like your point of what supervision is not, because my first supervision group, it was always, it was a little bit like, have you tried this? Or I would have tried that. I'm thinking, boy, I don't know. I do like when the supervisor coach, what question would you be asking? What question do you have? And the person doesn't answer the question. They just, the supervisor coach just asked you like, what's coming up for you as a coach, not for advice. And if you find yourself giving advice, that's probably not the direction. So you're almost being a coach to that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you were saying that there are these other cases also that are coming up that people are bringing. There's there's a lot of trust built among the coaches who are part of the these supervision groups. And I know at least in mine, we are really vulnerable with each other. We bring all those layers and details, including exposing things about how we're feeling in these situations. So when we bring a difficult case, we will describe it in maybe 60 seconds or less. We don't we don't go on for a long time. And then the our coaching supervisor will cut us off and then turn to the group and pose a question to the group. Like, as Adrian was sharing, where did you feel that in your body? And use that as feedback to me. Adrian, as you heard everyone say that, Gary felt his shoulders tense up. This person felt it in her gut. So-and-so felt it on her chest. Now, what does that make you? And then just would then ask me the next question. And then I'd respond and then turn it back to the group again. And then we'd get into what about imagery or what about metaphor? Now let's build off of that. And then he'll just like with laser precision, put a beautiful question out there. That gets right to the heart of it. And you just realize like, oh, that's, that is the magic question I needed. And it's all built off of this organic, dynamic, living, breathing, all of us feeling and seeing and sensing what is going on in this situation based on 60 seconds or less of a description. And it's just really profound, really. So let me jump in there and make a couple of comments of something you said. What I find really valuable about our profession is how quickly we make connections with other people and 
we want to open ourselves up to things that I don't know that I would say things to people really close in my life, but people that we just met and I noticed it through our training is just that close-knit community of everybody really focusing on doing what's best for the client and in supervision for each other. The second thing that it, it feels like supervision is just a, a dense coaching, learning opportunity. You spend, we're an hour and a half, it's 90 minutes, but gosh, it can be months worth of work because what you brought up are things that that I don't normally do. I don't know where I feel things in my body. I think, I think I'm completely disassociated with where I think it's affecting me and my body. But you brought that up. I'm thinking that's something for me to think about and maybe utilize in my coaching practice. The other thing that you mentioned was imagery. I think what supervision does for me, it just sparks something that I'm really uncomfortable with or I wouldn't do in a million years. And then I listen to other people talk about it and it's just, huh, I never thought about it from that perspective, or that's a better way to look at it that would suit me, my practice, and perhaps my clients, because I know a few of my clients may be very in touch with their emotions or very emotional or very somatic with the way they're feeling, the way they're acting. And I might try to use that in service of the client. So it's just a great testing ground. And you said it, a 60 second description can have such an impact but what I find is it brings me to places that I never would, if it were one-on-one, -on -one, I wouldn't want to go down that path. But in service of somebody else, I'm just more open to how it's impacting them and saying, huh, maybe I ought to re revisit this and look at it again. Yeah. And another thing that I really get out of it are techniques. There are techniques that that I've learned, such as like role play almost, where, well, actually, yes, role play, where we're using all the different people at, as part of my group. And if somebody brings this situation in, this this will take a little bit longer. It's not like 60 seconds. You set up the situation, and especially if it's multiple people, if there are stakeholders or it's team coaching or something, and you describe the different people involved. And then our supervisor will assign each of the people in the group or let the person presenting the case assign roles to the different people in the group. And then people think about it for a second. And then he asks, okay, now if we were to ask you this question, whatever is pertinent to the situation that he comes up with, what would you say? And then as the coach, you're listening and you're seeing it through and you're just hearing the voice right? You're hearing the voice of the stakeholders. And it's amazing how people can tune in and just imagine themselves in the shoes of the different people involved in the situation and bring voice to that. It's not that hard to do that even in one-on-one -on -one coaching with the chairs around the conference table, empty chairs. When you say role play, clarify that for me. What roles are the individuals playing? Is it stakeholder interview? Hey, you're the boss, you're a peer, you're a subordinate, that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you play the boss. What would the boss say in response to this question? What would the, the CFO say? What would this person say? What would the direct report say? You know what I like about that? In my business world, I always like 
assigning roles to people when we are hashing out something or brainstorming something. Like I, I want somebody to think why this is a bad idea, which isn't normal, right? Hey, if, if we're going to go through a plan or a strategy, but I want to stress test it. And I want to make sure that it's right to let's expand our thinking. Let's not get into group think. What it does that I'm hearing is it puts you in a different role. You have to think differently. Your mind has to wrap its head around a different perspective or a different mode, which is that's exactly what we ask our clients to do is pull yourself out and look at it from this perspective or look at it from the other person's perspective. Or if you heard that story, what advice would you give to you? And try to do that every once in a while just to see, oh, Gary, it's easy what that person should do, but it's not easy when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. And another technique that we used recently, we came to, we are different than you. We do not have to submit our cases ahead of time, but we've been meeting for a long time and, and we pretty consistently come with cases, but we had a situation recently where we all looked around and we were like, nothing comes to mind immediately. And he said, that's okay pick up your notebook or whatever you use and journal. Just write for three to five minutes and answer this question without stopping. What would your clients like you to learn right now? And then after that time was up, his question was, now, how do you sabotage your own work? And it was a great profound question. Like, how are you getting in your own way? What would your clients like you to learn? And how are you getting in your own? Guess what? We had plenty of cases that came to mind after we did that. We had, and just think about that. How many times do you come to one-on-one -on -one coaching and your coachee goes, I don't have anything today. I don't really, I don't have anything to talk about. Guess what? Get out a piece of paper, answer these questions. And that is the question because it happens. And I've never thought about, doing that is just saying, okay, take three minutes, go off camera and just write down things. And was it a guided question that you gave them or just start journaling of what you think you'd want to get out of this just, session? In our case, it was what would your clients like you to learn? But in a one-on-one -on -one session, you could say, what would your direct reports like you to learn? Or depending on what their coaching goals are, what would your peers like you to focus on right now? What would your boss like you to focus on right now, whoever it is, that's a stakeholder, right? And then followed up with the second question of now, how are you getting in your own way right now? I like that. I, I, and this is what I'm dealing with right now. I'm feeling like I'm song and dancing for my clients of they're coming in and maybe not as prepared. That's another topic for another day, but I feel I'm over committing myself to the session. And I've, I like the idea of saying, okay, let's take three minutes and I'll time it. I'm going to go off camera. When I come back on camera, we're going to be in, but I want you to think about this question. And is the key to have two questions? The, it, it is, but the key is also the writing. It's not thinking, it's writing. There's things happen when your brain connects while you're writing. So there's, there's more than just thinking, because by the way, our brains are trained to be distracted these days based on the number of things we look at on our screens, our phone in our hands. So it, it, there's a lot of uh, writing utensil and pen to paper. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So I'm laughing. So I got to assure that they have a pen and paper, but I do like that idea of creating that space for the client. It's only three minutes. It doesn't matter and, and come through with a question. And I'm sensing for me, it would be pick an area you'd like to focus on today or where you went was 
changing their perspective to think like someone else because they've been in their mind for a few minutes. That's right. Don't ask, don't ask that open-ended, what should we talk about? No, no, no. Ask what would somebody that we care about right now, what would they say you have to learn right now? What would they like you to be learning right now? What would they like you to focus on? Where do they want your attention to be going right now? Ask a, a more focused question that's a little bit, something you can grab onto it. And there's a little bit more meaning behind it too. I am going to start using that right away. We could probably start wrapping up. And what I'm taking away from, geez, today, supervision, it's very dense. A 90-minute supervision is, could be months of reading or coaching. It really could be because you learn so much. And what it does for me, it expands my perspective on trying new things. And I might get a different viewpoint of being vulnerable or having the somatics of where where is it sitting in you? Because I don't know that I ever ask a client that because that's not the way I think. That's the first question I ask after... If I see a reaction from somebody, like that's the immediacy and the presence you need. Because if you ask a question and you see it, that's the first thing I say is, where where are you feeling this in your body? You got to get them. They need to really inhabit that moment, like really inhabit that moment. So where are you feeling it in your body? What feeling? What feelings do you notice are present right now? What does that tell you? What are what are, what can you visualize? What metaphor it, can you think of to represent this moment, this situation? Like really mine it because there's something there, right? That's why I love our conversation so much, Adrian, because you just jump in when you want to jump in, and I absolutely love it. So I appreciate that. And no, that's not coaching. <laughs> We will do a 10-minute coaching at some point in time because I can tell you, I learned so much from our quick conversations. Supervision, where it's at, the vulnerability part, the it's just a reinforcement of the need for us to do that. What are your takeaways from today? My takeaways are also that, that you can approach supervision a little bit differently. Like yours has a lot of structure, mine on, on the front end anyway, a lot of structure on the front end. Mine is very loose on the front end, but once you get there, there's a lot to learn from the other people in your group, from the coaching supervisor guiding it, and having everybody there give you the, the not necessarily the material, but the reactions that provide you the growth and the learning, right? I'd say those are my learnings or takeaways. And it's just like a normal coaching session. Some are structured, some are not structured. Supervision can be very structured. The first one I went through was very unstructured, liked it just as much. But again, it's what we put into it and what you're going to, it's what we tell our clients. You're going to get as much out of coaching as the amount that you're willing to put into it and focus on it and really show up for our sessions and give 100%. I love it. Love the profession. Thank you so much for your time. Always great to connect with you. Yeah, this was great. I'll see you next time.